You're listening to Halford and Bruff. A really solid 200-foot player makes us harder to play against and makes our coaching staff has more options in in the top six. What's life like as a Vancouver Canuck these days? Well, I'm, it's a little better than it had been the last few years. Well, obviously... Congratulations on being chosen to go to the All-Star game. And I was like, congratulations, I'm a, I'm a superstar. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, basketball Ben, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Uh, hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. And we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what? We got a loaded show today on a Friday. The the rundown, the guest list, and everything we need to get to is 18 pages long. It My is entire incredible. Twitter timeline. That's it. Up. Uh, basketball Ben tried to tweet out the rundown. Ran out of characters. X <laughs> could not contain us. Too much going on. There's too much. It begins at 6.30 with Nick Shook from NFL.com. Now, here's what we're going to do with Nick. We are going to go over everything that happened on the coaching front because yesterday was a pretty profound day in the NFL offseason, all the jobs got taken. Everyone hired their coaches, and at the end, Washington was like, fine, Dan Quinn. I want to talk to Nick about where Bill Belichick is eventually going to land, if anywhere. Retirement? The retirement mm, community? I don't think so. Is it not weird that he... There was eight openings this offseason. Yeah. Eight. That's like a, a quarter of the league, a third of the league, practically. Mm-hmm. And Bill Belichick, probably the greatest football coach of all time, could not get a job. Yeah. That seems really strange to me. It's. I think it was just such a short window after everyone learned that he was gone that, you know, there were still people in positions of power that probably weren't willing to share the power or give over the power to Bill Belichick. I also want to ask about Mike McDonald because Nick's written a lot about that for NFL.com. So that's at 6.30, 7 o'clock. AJ from AJ's Pizza, 7.05. We're getting right down to the minute here. Adam Stanley, newly minted golf reporter, full-time for Sportsnet, is going to join us. 7.15, we're going to do our Play Now Locks of the Week. We're not going to do our Super Bowl picks this week. We're going to do props on the Super Bowl. 7.30, it's Moj. 8 o'clock, it's Rick Dollywall. 8.30, it's the all-Rick hour, Jason. Rick Tockett's going to join the program. Oh, yeah. No, I I, I knew that because <laughs> yeah. I prepped for it. <laughs> you absolutely did not forget that in the moment. Yeah. So 8 o'clock is our Rick hour. We're still working on the branding for that one. But Rick Tockett, head coach of the Vancouver Canucks at the All-Star Game, is going to join us. Right after Rick Tockett, we're going to announce our winner of the $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza for the best Ask Us Anything. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's Ask Us Anything Friday. Finally, 4 o'clock today, it's the NHL Skills Competition. You can watch it across the Sportsnet Network. There is a ton to get into, as suggested by our rundown. So without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. 
Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. The NHL's annual All-Star Weekend extravaganza got underway yesterday with the NHL All-Star Draft. Four teams, Team Matthews, Team Hughes, Team McKinnon, and Team McDavid went up to the podium. And in real time, while mic'd up, Made all their picks. I guess everyone's probably wondering, in case you're unaware, what Team Hughes did. They took all the Canucks except for the new guy. I don't know what went into that decision-making process, but Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, Thatcher Demko, and Brock Besser will all play together on the same team at Saturday's All-Star Gala, I'll call it, the tournament. The three-on-three tournament. Okay, who who watched this? I watched a bit of the replay. Because I was like, what? what? Starts at 3 o'clock? Too early. I, I was out and about. Yeah, no, I, I was, was like, I, I was listening to the, to the station, and they were talking about the draft. I'm like, the draft is on? I know. they were, One, they ran it way too early. I was at Whole Foods. I couldn't make I, television I th- in time. I think it was because of ESPN. ESPN had college basketball on, so right. they had to fit it in before the college basketball. They're like, the NHL probably went to them and was like, could you bump college basketball? And they're like, what, for the NHL All-Star Draft? No. Yeah. No. So <laughs> do you... So then you they're like, what about after? And they're like, we got billiards? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was I didn't watch it live. Halford, you're, I, I know you didn't watch it. Basketball, Ben, did you watch it? No, I was at the driving range. You were at yeah. the driving range, Laddie. Did you watch it? I did it? not watch it. We need Adog. Everyone had a thing. So Adog uh, was like, I was washing my hair. Yeah. No, Adog, I think, did watch it. And feel better soon. Adog should be back. On Monday, uh, I did watch a bit of the the replay. Uh, they replayed it at our time at seven o'clock. Um, it was a bit of a jumble, I would say. Um, there were some good intentions. Justin Bieber didn't seem to want to stand up. No, he was he was sitting down. Like, too, is there something that's too cool to stand, or is he he's not? Is is he not like? Is he's not feeling well or something like that. Does he's just laying back in the cut? Oh, okay. He's just cool. He's just chilling. The, okay. the, 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 there was only one celebrity that was overtly excited to be there. Will yesterday. Arnett. Or Michael Bublé. <laughs> Michael Bublé, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought Arnett had some energy. He always brings energy, right? Okay. Uh, I just want to I don't want to dump on this thing because I don't think it's easy what everyone is trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. which is with apparently zero prep whatsoever, go out, live mic, and improvise and be funny on the spot. It's hard enough for real entertainers like Will Arnett and Michael Bublé to try and do that without, you know, scripts and helpful co-hosts. Like, it's it's a very difficult thing to do. And to mic up hockey players and then be like, you know what, just uh, be funny. Okay. It's tough. So here's a text. I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought this. Uh, text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. So lame having all of the teammates on the same team. Now, the Canucks had, like, 10 guys there. <laughs> All of them. Trainers, and coaches, mascot. The mascot is there. Yeah. So, except for the new guy, Elias Lindholm, all the Canucks ended up on the same team. Correct. The co-captains, there was three co-captains, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, and Jack Hughes. And they drafted Thatcher Demko, Brock Besser, and JT Miller. And you were allowed to make trades, right? 
And listen, maybe the Canucks were thinking, we got a good thing going here. Let's not mess it up. Let's just keep everyone together. Let's not create any waves. But, like, wouldn't it have been funny to not draft your own players? Like, specifically don't draft your own players. Like, wouldn't wouldn't it have been funny to do that? And you could have almost faked like a rift or something like that. This kind of gets back to my original point. It's like, there like needs they're to too be... scared. They're too scared to do anything like that's that's extreme. Or how about? I mean, can you imagine how funny it would have been if they traded JT Miller? Yes, or something like that. Like yes. that would be. And then they explain. Would... And then they explain it. It's because you're over the age of thirty. Like that would have been funny. That would have been a good bit. Yeah, we're it trying would've... to stay young or something yeah, like that. Right? Like or you know, we just... heard you wanted a long term extension. We're not interested yeah. in that. Yeah, no, I all that stuff. You know, uh, didn't didn't the Leafs team pick all Leafs too? Right, like so it's not just Canucks. And and then you're kind of like, actually during the game, like I I would love to see. PD shoot on Thatcher Demko. So right? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call on basketball Ben here because at the NBA when they did their fantasy drafts, there was often times like guys would play out their real life pettiness or beefs, mm-hmm. and like that would be reflected in where guys guys got picked. Or, sure. There'd be all these subplots and side stories like, well, this guy's actually angling for a trade for this guy, so he's gonna pick him. Like when LeBron was getting like Simmons or whatever. He's like, yes. I want to pick Ben Simmons. Yeah. I want to play with Steph Curry. Yeah, like it, and, and there was all these like kind of like wink wink nudge 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 kind of things going yeah. on that made it the least little bit entertaining. What happened yesterday? Without trying to analyze this entire event too much is that everyone just kind of went up there and it felt like there was no thought put into any of it until the very moment that they had to do something. I I always feel badly for the hosts in that situation, like our friend David Amber. There was one moment where he went up to Mitch Marner and he was like, what do you think? Like Mitch hadn't been taken yet. And he's like, what do you think? What do you think your Leafs team teammates are going to do? And he's like, well, we'll see. Yeah. And Amber, we're just so really, excited. Amber, Amber, we are really excited to be here. No, no, no. He didn't. He he gave him like the two word answer. He's like, "We'll see." And then David Amber was like, "I can't remember what he said, but he said some more, trying to trying to coax something more out of him." And like, there was nothing there. There was there was just absolutely nothing there. It was almost as if he gave it no thought or effort whatsoever. He was just just scared to say anything or just zero personality. How right? many texts would we get in our inbox if like JT Miller did get traded? It's like, is this a sign of what's to come? It'd be hilarious. It like would be it would be their way. Mean? It would be their way of putting one over on the crazy Vancouver market, mm-hmm. right? It'd be their way of doing it. I think it'd be hilarious, and I think people would appreciate it. Right? You yeah. know, you could take a shot at the media at the same time. Right? You could do that and then you see what those those jackals back in Vancouver do about that. Yeah. Um, anyway. It is, it is a heavy research, by the way, to find yes. out why Bieber was sitting down the whole time. Okay. And he was sitting during the concert that he did after as well. Uh, apparently, he's been battling some health issues. And that, that's, of, that's what I thought. One of them was uh, being speculated as vertigo. Yeah. Because he had that yeah. at his last tour. Right. So. Okay. So I, I didn't want to be un, unfair with there that. There you go. And see, that's, you know, like a good, good responsible. Good call, bro. Right? Good responsible right? Too lazy to stand up. <laughs> yeah. Classic Bieber is like, I've actually got a medical condition. Yeah. Ah, well. There. Is that why your pants are so baggy? Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about real hockey stuff here? Or do we want to dive deeper into the uh, the all-star draft festivity? Do we need to mention the buble on mushrooms thing? It was kind of big on social media. It was. So. Okay, I'll just really quick. <laughs> you can see the disdain as I have to go through this. Really quick. 
Uh, Buble got up to the podium afterwards. I don't even want to replay the audio because it was long and awkward. I got an 18-second clip. Okay. 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 Fine. You know what? Here's Michael Buble attempting to land a joke about being on mushrooms. My buddy told me this is just a microdose of mushrooms, and he was lying. So I'll be honest. I thought I was in Blades of Glory for most of the time that I was out there until it sort of settled down, and then I realized, holy I am at the NHL All-Star Game. So no one in the room knew what was going on because most of the people there were, you know, died in the wool hockey journalists. And that's really out of their frame of comfort and reference. And so everyone just ran with it. that Michael Bublé's on mushrooms. And then he later clarified through uh, a social media post and then on Instagram replying to someone that he was not, in fact, on mushrooms. It was yeah, just to, his, uh, to clarify that. Like, it was it just wasn't his, so obvious. It was just his sense of humor to which I said, I got that part. But apparently a lot of people didn't. And that was the all-star experience really in a nutshell was people trying stuff and hoping mm. that it would land. And then ultimately it didn't. So, so that puts a nice little bow on that, I think. Uh, I know it's not what we learned time, but what I learned yesterday is that Elias Lindholm is a 200-foot player. How many feet, Jason? 200. All he's of a, them? He, he's a 200-foot he's a foot but he's like a centipede. His enormous player is going to crush us all. 200 Subway sandwiches. That's right. Yeah. So he plays every. So everyone said that. Yes. Everyone said that. Including uh, Elias Lindholm. So Rick Tockett was there. Uh, Yeah, Lindholm himself said it. I'm just a simple 200-foot player. Uh, I was like, <laughs> I'm just a simple country bumpkin that plays 200 feet of There was ice. real caveman lawyer vibes. About yeah. that. He's like, I don't know much about hockey. I'm just a simple 200-foot player. Um, Rick Tockett said it because Rick Tockett was obviously there doing media because he's one of the coaches at the All-Star game. And uh, Patrick Alvin said it in his audio uh, or, or in his um he did a Zoom uh, session with reporters. So he, Patrick Alvin's had been doing a lot of media lately because he had to do something for his contract extension, and then he pulled off the trade right after the contract extension. Uh, and then, of course, he had to do another interview about uh, Elias Lindholm. So uh, we're going to go with Elias Lindholm and Elias Pettersson. That's what I've decided that okay. the show is going to do. I'm glad you made a choice. Uh, there's going to be two different um, E-L-I-A-S pronunciations so um yeah that i mean that was just basically the uh general message about the new guy that the canucks had brought in and you know i think it i think it's worth discussing just why they targeted this guy and why he's a better fit than Andre Kuzmenko. I mean, it's obvious why he's a better fit than Andre Kuzmenko, but the Canucks are trying to load up for a Stanley Cup playoff run, and that was essentially what they did in terms of their current roster. They replaced Andre Kuzmenko with Elias Lindholm. Mm -hmm. Nobody was describing Andre Kuzmenko as a 200-foot player. No. You know? No. Like 200-inch player, maybe. He had... He had issues, um, like they had issues getting him to forecheck, um, and he's a winger, so his defensive play wasn't really super under the microscope, but um, Alvin and Tockett and the rest of the Canucks all seemed pretty excited 
to add this new 200-foot player. So Talkit pointed out several things when asked about the acquisition of 200-foot Elias Lindholm or Elias Lindholm. Uh, he said the right-handed guy on face-offs who was clicking it over 55% on the draws, that was a thing. He mentioned the 200 feet, the ability to defend all of the ice. And I think the overriding sentiment in what, in listening to all the audio and then reading all the articles that were written about uh, Elias Lindholm afterwards, he needed a fresh start. You know, things got stale in Calgary real quick after they got rid of Kachuk and Gaudreau. And then eventually the end game for Lindholm was playing with Igor Sharangovich and Andrew Mangiapani. Um, I do wonder how much of a shot in the arm this is going to give the guy because you look at the possibilities and connections and combinations and duos that Taka can roll out. There's a lot of different ways that they can put Lindholm in advantageous offensive situations. Right, And this is a guy that, remember, the big talking point this year was the lack of production, especially in the goal-scoring department, mm-hmm. for a guy that had previously scored 40. Here's the other thing. They can parlay his pending unrestricted free agency into a really good thing for him personally and for the team at the same time. So one of the things I want to ask Rick Tockett is what thought goes into making line combinations? Like, you know how Tockett is always saying, I'm a big puzzle guy. He's a puzzle okay, guy. Okay, well, what is the puzzle you're trying to piece together when you're putting together a line? It's a yeah. three-piece puzzle. Yep. So pretty simple. It's like one of those puzzles they give kids of like an elephant, and it's like three pieces. And, yep. you know. Tail, I, I, body, trunk. I do them all the time. Yep. It keeps my mind sharp. Melissa and Doug. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Rick Tockett about that. Um, let's play some Alvin audio here. Um, the first one I just want to play is why add a player like Elias Lindholm? I felt that, that our bottom six, the way it's constructed right now and the way they're playing, um, have found chemistry and identity, how to play every night, and they've been very consistent. I feel our top six needed to improve a little bit uh, with a caliber player like Elias to find more consistency going down the stretch. And uh, we all know the matchups going down the stretch here. The last th- 33 games, it's it's coming down to uh, you know uh, t- tough tough matchups, and that's where you need your four lines to be be strong in in the two way game. That's where we felt that adding a piece like Elias here. Uh, for the cost what we what we paid uh, for for now, but it, potentially for the future as well, was uh, something that we uh, we felt strong about. Okay, well, Patrick Alvin is going Elias, but we're still going to go Elias. He until just didn't get told, the pronunciation memo. Until That's told otherwise. Um, yeah, uh, uh, listen, the matchup game too is is something else that um, Rick Tockett is has got a new weapon and. You know, when you have three centers of the caliber that the Canucks have now, and I know people will say that, well, they had that before when they had Horvat. Horvat was better offensively than defensively. I think Lindholm's a pretty a pretty different player than Bo Horvat. Yeah, they play center, but there's a lot of differences between the two. Well, the other thing, too, that I want to ask Rick is, and I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but I still want him to explain it to everyone, including myself, is why is it so important that the Canucks got themselves a right shot face-off man, right? Like, what sure. what, what is it that you love about that? Um, because they did have Sam Lafferty, but he, does, he hasn't been playing much center. So, 
they've basically been running with all left shots. And so tell us how tell us how that helps the team maybe in a key situation. Um, and, you know, one of the things about Lindholm is that he wins the faceoffs. That's key. Like anyone can, any right sure. shot can <laughs> attempt a faceoff. But it's really nice when you're winning 55% of them. Um, I also thought this clip from Alvin was interesting. IMAC asked him whether, and it was essentially him asking two questions. Number one, is Lindholm just a rental? But also number two, and it didn't really need to be said, but a lot of people have suggested it. Some people like the idea, some people don't. Is Lindholm potentially insurance if Petey doesn't want to sign with the Vancouver Canucks? Alvin apparently believes signing both of them is a possibility. Yeah, I think there's a realistic way. And I think those are the things that we always projecting when we do uh, business here. Uh, we, 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 every day you have a projection on, on your future uh, lineup and roster. And, and as I said, every, every decision has impact on the team now, but we also got to be careful moving forward. Uh, Ian McIntyre. Uh, Ian McIntyre also. He was, sorry. There's more to the clip. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought there was a break in the action. Well, he was That's pausing for a second. We would like, you know what? Let's roll the rest of the clip if we've got it ready. I don't want to cut off Patrick Alvin <laughs> while speaking about the potential of re-signing Elias Lindholm and signing Elias Pettersson. Continue. Elias is somebody that we watch for years and obviously going back to Jim that have a draft history with him. But the intri- intriguing part of his game, the 200-foot uh, right shot center, uh, those are hard to find. Did you hear he's a 200-foot guy who's a right shot center? You know, if I hadn't heard Patrick Alvin said, I don't think I would have believed it. Yeah. 200 feet. I, the only reason I was jumping in there, sorry, was that IMAC also tried to ask Elias Lindholm about the possibility of re-signing in Eli- Vancouver. Elias Lindholm. I can't, I can't do this. Okay. I, it's just going to it's gonna come out however it comes out. There's probably a better way to say that. Surnames. But Stick to surnames. No, yeah. We could just go Lindholm and Pedersen now, right? And avoid the Elias's Lindy and Petey? Ooh. Yeah, yeah Lindy and Petey. a little too buddy-buddy. I don't know. You guys well, they're the not team. buddies because they consciously didn't draft him yesterday. True. We took all of, your, all of your new teammates. I have a reason for It's that. a little too Charles Lindbergh, too, Tate. who was... Uh, had some ideas. Yeah. That's Kate right. McCray. You, yeah, yeah, she was there. She's from Calgary. Yeah. Okay. And I think she just wanted to draft Lindholm. Okay. Because she's a fan of the team. She's at the games wearing their jerseys. She's a fan of Lindholm. Apparently, Hughes was going to draft him. But Tate McCray was like, no, like, I want him. If he, he should have. A little send off to being like, oh. What he should have done, if he was going to take all connects, he should have picked them with every single pick. Yeah. Right from the start. That at least would have been a hook. I think he just assumed that people would know. But I don't know. Tate, Tate stole him. So, Lindy, as we are now calling uh, IMAC asked Lindy about the possibility of re-signing in Vancouver. So, the angling right now, at least from Sportsnet.ca's intrepid Canucks reporter, is trying to figure out what is the feasibility of keeping him beyond being a rental. Because I think right now, everyone is framing this, and understandably so, as a snapshot for this season. Mm -hmm. The 30-plus remainder regular season games, and then whatever happens in the playoffs. And it's almost like we'll worry about free agency when free agency comes about. But we'll talk to Rick Dollywall about this coming up uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. Rick's going to join us for his weekly hit. And I, do, I am curious about the possibility of keeping the guy in the fold because the understanding right now is 
He's been a value player, Lindy has, for mm-hmm. a good long while. It makes less than $5 million annually. He's got a chance to cash in in a dangerous way because what's yeah. the problem with Elias Lindholm is he turns 30 this year and the aging curve comes to get us all eventually. I'm not sure he's a guy that you want to sink seven or eight years of term into, but that's obviously what he's probably going to be looking yeah, for. A lot of this is getting ahead of ourselves. We need to see what he is as a player. Um, you know, there's a lot of Flames fans out there that were thrilled with the return that Craig Conroy got for the Calgary Flames. And, you know, listen, that's that's fine for them. They they got a bunch of wild cards that might turn out because uh, Menko might turn it around and be a player for them or at the very least a trade chip in the offseason or next trade deadline, Hunter Briskevich. Um, could turn out to be a really good NHL player that was just kind of blocked out in Vancouver. And, you know, you got to give to get. So the Canucks had to include a pretty good prospect. And plus, they've got the first round draft pick. And the Flames fans' feeling was that they didn't really want to re sign Lindholm mm-hmm. because he was having a down season and frankly he's been trending downward since Kachuk and Gaudreau left the team um in terms of point production um i, I think one area where lindholm could potentially really benefit is being on the canucks power play yeah you that's know, a, like, that's like, a de- like, that's a very good point to bring up that a yeah, lot of people haven't spoken about like yet the, the flames power play doesn't have Quinn Hughes, right? No, they could have had Adam Fox, but he was like, I don't want to be a flame. Like every, so gotta, like everybody else, he's so like, I do not want to be a flame. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's just a different situation when you get out with the talent that the Canucks have, and there is an opening. With all due respect to Pew Suter, but Kuzmenko wasn't on the power play when he left. Uh, not the first unit, anyway. I don't think he was on any power play. Um, he was replaced by Pew Suter, who I thought was fine. Like he. Did okay out there, but I don't know if he's the ideal guy out on the power play. I think Lindholm is probably immediately going to be on PP1. Um, so there's a chance for him to up his goal scoring and take advantage of what he does well offensively. And then PK wise, I'm really excited to see him out on the PK yeah. because I think that's an area where the PK has definitely improved. But I'm not sure it's as good as the Canucks want it to be. Nick Shook is going to join us next for a little NFL talk. Um, we'll talk about the coaching carousel, which is now stopped because all the teams with vacancies have a head coach, including the Seattle Seahawks, who got Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, out of Baltimore. Uh, and a reminder, the big football party hosted by Sportsnet 650 on Sunday, February 11th, uh, is going to be at the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. If you want to get in on the big football party, visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fiesta Friday here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's a fiesta. We're having tacos. 
Alfred Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, first friendly reminder, would you like to jump in? Yeah, first friendly reminder that it is Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff Show. We've got a $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza for the best Ask Us Anything. So text those into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Centre or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, we're going to be talking to Nick Shook on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating and Air Conditioning Hotline. The hotline is brought to you by, believe it or not, Dispatch Plumbing, Heating and Air Conditioning. No the way! F- the first call the only call. We make that call now to Nick Shook from NFL.com. He joins us here now live on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Nick? How are you? I'm good. And and you know what? I also was surprised that that was, in fact, the sponsor of that line. <laughs> See? This is good. Good work, Nick. Way to play. It's the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline for future reference. Okay. Um, I know you've been writing a lot about the coaching vacancies that are now all filled. You did that for NFL.com throughout the week. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. We'll save some of the Super Bowl preview stuff for next Friday when we talk to you again. I want to start in Seattle. Uh, You wrote about new Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald, who was unveiled to the media yesterday. And yesterday he made his first big proclamation as Seahawks head coach. He's going to be the guy calling plays on defense on the sidelines this year for the Seahawks. What did you make of that decision and him announcing it in his introductory presser yesterday? Um, not super surprised. That's how he got to this point. He's also 36 years old, so he's young. This is what he knows. Um, and and he's, he's done a very good job of it, uh, especially you know in Baltimore the last couple of years and at the University of Michigan prior to that. So uh, it's it can be a surprise sometimes from a defensive standpoint because when you when you see guys get hired typically they're and they and they retain play calling duties usually it's because they're offensive coordinators and they've they've schemed up these fantastical offenses and you don't see it quite as much from the defensive side but it does happen um, and it's a departure from what Seahawks fans are used to but I also think that that was the the goal of John Schneider and and the rest of that uh, search committee that they had assembled there in Seattle and and I mean I, I could read it all over Schneider's face yesterday. He, he couldn't stop grinning. Uh, he, at one point, he just looked over at him. He's like, this is the future right here. And it was just like, oh, all right. They are very happy with their hiring. So uh, given McDonald the keys to the defense as well as the keys to the entire franchise, makes sense. So are the things that he did in Baltimore, is that going to work in Seattle? Like, my question, I suppose, is how much was it that the Ravens have really good personnel um, that their defense was good versus how much of it was the schemes that Mike McDonald was calling out there. Personnel always helps, but um, if you compare them on the eye test and, and how they approach games uh, to other teams in the NFL, you, you could see uh, what was unique about his defense, um, especially just the way he created pressure. They became a very aggressive defense down the stretch. But, you know, obviously, you know, you have Roquan Smith and, and uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton back there. But the way he deployed his talented players really helped, and especially the situational play calling certainly helped. Um, and, and, and so I think it's the potential is undoubtedly there with the Seahawks, who also have, um, you know, a number of young, talented players, Devin Witherspoon being the number one guy. Uh, it seems like that's 
uh, McDonald's favorite guy based on the frequency uh, he discussed Witherspoon yesterday, but it's not the only guy. Uh, I mean, I was, a, I was a big Boy Mafe fan this season, uh, and I think that there are other pieces that could allow McDonald to create another turnaround. Um, obviously, you got to get better against the run. Uh, that was a, a glaring issue for this team last year, and you are going to have a little bit of turnover. Um, but I think that, you know, it's – I mean, it's tough because you don't want to sit back and label somebody a defensive genius and, oh, you know, Buddy Ryan's 46 defense. That's what powered the 85 Bears. I'm not saying he's that. But I do think that um, a lot of the Ravens' success did have to do with the way that he made decisions in certain situations, and that's a big reason why he got this job. It's a super interesting hire on two fronts. One is they're going with the young, hotshot, defensive-minded head coach, and people will say, well, he's coming in on the heels of a guy who also, you know, preached defense first and was predicated on that in Pete Carroll. There was the other part of this, though, where they were talking about him differentiating himself from the Carroll era, which is going to be hard because Pete is the greatest coach in franchise history. But they go from, I mean, it's pretty obvious, the oldest head coach in the NFL to the youngest. And then John Schneider's up there saying, hey, look, this is the future. This is the way that we're going to go. So there's an obvious... There's an obviously moving on from the past. I'm curious what your takeaways were from McDonald very consciously differentiating himself from the Pete Carroll era. Well, I thought it was funny because in that same response, he talked about, like, he laid it out how Pete, you know, is a guy who was always authentic to himself and everything else. And then in, like, almost the same breath goes, uh, it's not going to be the same with me, uh, but I'm always going to stay true to myself, and that's the most important part. And if you're not true to yourself and you can't fake it, people could tell. And I was like, well, you know what you just said yeah. about Pete Carroll? Uh, you know, like, I'm pretty sure that's how you just described the guy you're replacing. I think what he's saying is, um, it, it wasn't the most articulate way, but I think what he was just trying to say is that, look, um, I'm not going to be, you're not going to get the exact same guy you got in Pete Carroll, and I'm not going to try to be Pete Carroll. This is not the first time we've heard this this offseason either with, uh, you know, like guys like Gerard Mayo replacing Bill Belichick. You know, there's going to be some qualities that I picked up from him, sure, in the way that we go about things, but ultimately I'm going to be my own man, my own coach. So I think that's what he was trying to say more than anything. But I also found that parallel super interesting because it's almost like, uh, like the, the Seahawks brass just basically was like, uh, you know, we, we like Pete Carroll. We appreciate what he's done for us over the course of his, you know, extended tenure here, but we don't want to enter that territory where we have to talk about, is this the year Pete retires for the next five years? So let's just rip the bandaid off now. And then they rip it off and replace it with another Band-Aid from, you know, kind of the same packaging or the same family of Band-Aids in Mike McDonald. Did you hear the rumors about who the next offensive coordinator could be? It could be Ryan Grubb, who was the Huskies offensive coordinator who followed Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. And then they might be bringing him back to be the Huskies offensive coordinator. He has no NFL coaching experience and he might be the guy playing, calling the offense. Uh, Do you know what, what do you know about Ryan Grubb, Nick, anything? Well, I mean, that's highly interesting to, to consider that, you know, the local tie with DeBoer and everything, and and then how DeVore left. I'm surprised that anybody would want anybody from DeVore's staff back in that area after DeVore left for Alabama. But maybe the people in the greater Seattle area and beyond are more understanding uh, than, than you know the folks here in Ohio might be if their coach you know left for another big-time program in college football. Uh, it's not the biggest surprise um, to me, not, not because of the name, because to give you the, the, you know, a, a great response, I mean, I know what he'd, in Washington. Like, I know the offense that he put together there. I don't know 
um, you know, the, the Michael Pettix offense and, and the, you know, the kind of high flying attack that they had, but the Boers, you know, his time in Washington was, there weren't a long, it wasn't a long tenure. So uh, we don't have much of a, a demonstrated history there, but what's funny is, you know, this, we, we're also in the same cycle in which Jeff Hackley decided to just leave Boston college yeah. before they could fire him if he had another bad year and take a defensive coordinator job in Green Bay instead. Now, that was a surprise. So, I think, uh, you know, anything goes in, in between the NFL and college football these days. Well, how, and, uh, it'd be fun to watch. How many rumors now that the Seahawks will be drafting Michael Penix Jr.? Like, I mean, that would be, wouldn't that make sense? Ryan Grubb yeah, goes hey, to the Seahawks and then the Seahawks draft a quarterback? Yeah, they're in the, you know, proper position to do so. If Penix is there, I guess that would make sense. I, the Penix story itself is very interesting to me because. I mean, you, you talk about the fact that he you know, was really good at Iowa. I mean, not Iowa, excuse me, at Indiana. Mm-hmm. But he had all these injury issues, so he eventually transfers out. I mean, I remember watching him when he played Ohio State back in the Big Ten, you know, back in the day, which, by the way, congratulations to Washington becoming an official member on the football side at the conclusion of your football season. Uh, enjoy those flights. But <laughs> I remember him, you know, playing well for the Hoosiers, and then all of a sudden, you know, he gets – injured back-to-back years, and you're like, ah, oh, man, that kid had so much potential, he's probably toast. And then he just pops up in Washington and has this Heisen, you know, trophy caliber season. And it's, uh, but does that translate? Because it, he did not look great against Michigan's defense. A lot of quarterbacks at the collegiate level did not look great against Michigan's defense, but I thought he would be better. Um, he's he's kind of a, a boomer bust quarterback in-game, um, especially against good defenses like Michigan's unit was. You know, he can rip off the fantastic throw, but every once in a while, you're in a, it's like playing quarterback in Madden. Like, oh, he was open. How'd you miss him? You know, ah, you, you missed that guy too. Like, that game was full of frustrating misses for Penix, at least early in that game. It'll be interesting to see where he gets drafted. I'm, he's probably the most fascinating player in the pre-draft process among these quarterbacks. Um, him, I kind of bow Nix just because I'm curious how this class ends up shaking out. Um, I'm very curious to see, you know, who – who rises to the cream of the crop top, you know, Drake May um, and, and uh, Caleb Williams, you know, that group, and who falls because, you know, these scouts pick them apart relentlessly. I think Penix is going to be our good litmus test there. Uh, one more on the draft before we move on to some other coaching stuff, but it just brought to mind that the, the drama between Caleb Williams and the Chicago Bears has already begun. Uh, how do you see this playing out? I. Uh, I got a message yesterday where I was like, hey, I was about something I wrote, and, and they were like, hey, uh, you know, pretty much everybody has the Bears taking Caleb Williams. And I'm like, I'm, I'm already entering this area at, of, <laughs> of the offseason. Like, the Super Bowl hasn't even passed yet. And we're, we're already, uh, you know, deep into the whole Caleb Williams thing and and people projecting to go to Chicago. I don't know, man. I, I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna turn my ears off to it. I'm gonna, I can't because it's part of the job. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to stay as you know, in tune with everything, but ultimately I'm not going to take anything super serious with Williams because this is the same guy whose dad was floating the idea of getting partial ownership stakes, you know, a year ago. And that was going to be a requirement to get to draft my son and sign it, you know, get him to sign his contract. So uh, we're going to, we're going to ride this wave because I think, you know, once we get past the Super Bowl, we're going to have about two, two months and a couple of weeks of time to fill when it comes to the NFL. And a lot of it's going to have to do with this individual player right there. We are speaking to Nick Shook from NFL.com here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, Nick, back to the stuff that you have been covering for NFL.com. The Commanders fill the final NFL coaching vacancy by hiring 
Dan Quinn as their head coach yesterday. So I got to admit, when we heard the news, both Bruff and I felt like it was the commanders settling for a coach. And then you read a lot of the media coming out of the Eastern Seaboard, and there's Tyra referring to it as like an underwhelming hire, or maybe it was their second choice, or maybe even their third choice, so the best of the rest. Are those fair assessments of hiring Dan Quinn as the head coach in Washington? Uh, yes and no. Um, the settling thing, yes, because of how long they took. And the fact that it wasn't the splash like a Belichick might have been or you know, a number of other guys. Um, no, because a year ago, I think a lot of teams were highly interested in, in interviewing Dan Quinn and making him their head coach and before he pulled himself out of the running for a number of jobs. So um, the it, timing is everything in every, in every part of life, but especially uh, I think in the NFL, at least in how you can control the narrative and the perception of things that happen. And I think that with Dan Quinn, you know, his defense got shredded in the playoffs by Jordan Love. Uh, that was his last game. You know, recency, as uh, unfair as it can be sometimes, will cloud somebody's, you know, perception of, of a hire like this because of their reputation in their most recent games. I think Dan Quinn's, it's not an, a, a super, you know, jazzy hire, but... Washington needs – well, it, it also doesn't fit right now really well with the commanders because there are parallels between him and Ron Rivera. You know, this is defensive-minded guy, former defensive coordinator, retread head coach coming in to, you know, lead the way. That's essentially what Ron Rivera was when they hired him. But it's different now, different ownership, different group trying to identify your uh, best candidates. And when you're the, – the it last in line to pick, sometimes it's not going to be the uh, shiniest – you know, prize on the table. But I think that Dan Quinn is a proven coach who's a solid coordinator. Uh, he's done a really good job in Dallas turning the defense around the last couple of years. Adding Michael Parsons obviously helps, but he's it's about more than that. He's done a good job coordinating. And he's got head coaching experience. Yeah. And this is a this is a team that, that, that needs that sort of direction. They need to figure out what they're doing at quarterback more than they even needed to figure out coach. So um, yeah, the defense was like the worst in the NFL last year. I get that. They also traded away their two young guys rushers, you know, in the same week, basically the same day, and they said, "Yeah, we're going to go with other, you know, guys that you probably haven't heard of. And we trust them, and we saw them falter and suffer as a result." So there's there's personnel issues as much as the coaching issues, and the experience of Dan Quinn, who by the way won the NFC Championship, you know, one year with the Falcons, um, you could have done much worse. Uh, so at one point this offseason, I believe there were as many as eight NFL coaching vacancies. Uh, now they're all filled, and none of them filled by Bill Belichick, who ends this process without having a seat at the table. How surprised are you that Belichick won't be on an NFL sideline next season? Uh, mildly, but not as surprised as I think most everybody is because the precedent that he set, that the Patriots set for him by giving him you know complete control in New England such a long time ago, that's really hard to find that type of opportunity with another team. And at his age and with his demonstrated success, some of those situations in which you, you know, see somebody go to the negotiating table and say, these are my non-negotiables. Like I absolutely am not, you know, uh, relenting in any of these areas, except Belichick had control in every area. So it's really hard to get somebody to give away some of that control um, and, and convince them, you know, that's what you need to do to get this job. Especially when he wins, you win six, you know, Super Bowls that way. So, I think uh, it's going to be strange for all of us not seeing him on a sideline this year, but it's not that odd. 
And uh, there's probably also some some worry that you know why would we give a guy this age complete football control when we could go with a younger guy who might fit in better with the GM that we already like and and a process that you know we have identified as being the best for our franchise. Uh, I just think it's really hard to get a guy like that to fit. Um, I thought the Atlanta situation was going to be interesting. That didn't pan out. I thought Washington could be an interesting you know backdoor, you know a, a second option for Belichick. Never thought Seattle would be it. Never thought, you know, the well, some people said the Chargers, but Chargers were pretty zeroed in on hard off from the start. So uh, it'll be, I, I would love to see him. I, I don't ever want to see any team crash and burn, but I would love to see a, a team crash and burn next year and be like, Belichick, save us. And, <laughs> uh, you know, hire him and probably not get the results they want. Yeah, there, there'd have to be like just a big house cleaning, right? Like, yeah. as you know, and oh, yeah, yeah include. Like everyone, everyone, and like maybe even the owner. You're like, you can be the owner, Bill. We'll just, just give you honor. <laughs> Nick, thanks for joining us today. Always appreciate uh, and enjoy talking football with you. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. That's Nick Shook from NFL.com here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff. Daniel in Campbell. I imagine that's Campbell River, unless there's a place called Campbell. No. Uh, what's it going to be like? to not really cover the draft lottery this year. How about not even cover the draft, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. we're not we're not doing draft coverage this year, period. The Canucks don't have their first round pick. They don't have a second round pick and if they make it to the Western Conference final, let's be optimistic. They won't have the third round pick either. They'll have two fourths though and a couple of sixths and a seventh and I don't know if our draft coverage would go into bringing on some guy and be like, who do you like in the fourth round? If they take a goalie, I'll be all over it. I can tell you all about them. Yeah, no. They're, they're usually fourth to sixth round. See, team. that's another reason to not talk about the draft because Laddie would be telling us about some so goalie many that I'm like... So many reasons. Okay, good. That's great. Yeah, the draft coverage, man. That'll be... Do you remember last season? I think it was in the new year. We were like, I guess we better start ramping up the draft coverage. Fire up the draft simulator. And it was like really, really, really depressing. Got to go to tankathon.com. I didn't like any of it. Uh, First of all, like, because it doesn't really interest Halford or I. Like, we're not mm, big prospects guys. Like, we'll bring on, we defer our, like, we don't, we don't even pretend. We don't even pretend. I don't even go into these drafts with like, A Dog wanted Zach Benson or whatever. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, he seems exciting. At that point, we weren't um, even deferring to the expert. We were just deferring to A-Dog. We're like, yeah. if you want him, sure. <laughs> Why don't you want to put stock in a prospect? You got, are you just afraid of being wrong about one? No, I don't know anything about it. It's I, don't just have complete, the it I don't complete, have the patience for this. I would completely be BSing. Everything about it, you know. Well, you, you don't watch Junior, right? You don't watch Yeah, there's only so much bandwidth you have. As a person to know about things, true. You know, I, I, gotta I watch, watch second division well soccer. Put. You know, there are some people. There are some people that watch so much hockey, and that's not just NHL. That's um, you know, junior leagues, college. They watch European hockey. Um, I watch other sports. Like mm-hmm. that's what I would choose to watch as opposed to like all hockey and and all the leagues. So I find that a lot of people turn into real BSers around the draft. You know, um, you know what the first question I ask a prospect expert every time there's a draft is how many of these guys are going to play in the NHL next year. And I know that that's like super stupid next year. Yeah. 
There's like one or two. Sometimes. I know. That's <laughs> I, I, I get what I'm asking. I just that's what I want to know. How many of these guys can realistically play next year? Because I don't have like Jason's bringing up a good point. I don't have the bandwidth to cover all like the American League. Never mind that the Junior League. I'm not gonna get the SHL package so I can watch Lexans. You or talk to people that watch a lot of those. That's what leagues. we do. We defer, yeah, right? We do, right? But anyway, this year I'm stoked that we don't have. But I'm to really still not invest in that. I'm still not all that interested. Like, well, this year you have no just, reason to be. No, no, especially. no. But like even even then because okay. we talk about all these guys, right? And then the Canucks end up with one of them. Once the Canucks have drafted in the first round, by all means, let's talk about it. Let's talk. Let's talk the hell out of Vlander or Willander or whatever. Sure. First of all, let's get his pronunciation right. And I'm and I'm really excited to talk about a player like that. Like, tell me his story, but only once he's a Canuck. The other guys, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't really, I, I don't care about you. And in fact, I hope you're you're a bust. Um. <laughs> 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 we prefer to go with the petty coverage. I know you're 18, but <laughs> I hope you have a horrible career. I hope life throws you a curveball. Yeah, you know how your whole life is in front of you? I hope it all sucks. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, by the way, before we go to break, I want to get this out there because Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff is reporting that today, when the NHL does its annual media address at the All-Star Game, the NHL and the NHLPA are going to announce that in 2025, next year, no All-Star Game. You know why? Because they're going to announce a four-team international tournament that they're going to be putting on in conjunction with one another, the NHL and the NHLPA. It's going to be held in Montreal and Boston. It's going to replace the All-Star Weekend, and it's going to have Canada, the U.S., Finland, and Sweden. So we'll find out more about that later in the show. So we got something to look forward to. Hour one in the books, hour two and three coming up. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.